Greetings. It's a little after five and you are tuned into KZMU Radio Book Club. I'm one of your hosts, Sherry Zollinger from Back of Beyond Books. And tonight, as I have been joined every first Monday at five for quite a while now, I am joined with uh, Jesse from the the library. Hello, Jesse. Good evening, everyone. And of course, Andy's here with us from Back of Beyond Books. Greetings. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Hello. Jesse. Hardback Radio. Yes. Yeah. We are rebranding, <laughs> so to speak. We just, we're, we're going to be having a, a little bit of, uh, I guess, we're, we're going to be some stickers. I think we're going to have some stickers is what we're going to have uh, with our new uh, name. Uh, Hardback Radio is, is what we're going to call ourselves. And, and they'll be available during the spring pledge drive exactly. up here at KZMU. Yeah, we're excited. So uh, just just kind of keep listening uh, for for that and definitely tune in for the, the uh, spring drive as well. So here we are back again and excited to talk to you out there about what we're excited about via our reading and the books that we're tuned into. I love the diversity in this, just this little threesome. We might add a few other people as, as we, uh, we've got a new member of our staff at, K, at, at the bookstore. And so we might add a couple other people in as we go along, but I, I love the diversity that we have here. So I think what we'll do first, as we always do, is we just like to tune in to news from both the library and from the bookstore. So let's start over at the bookstore today. Andy, what's what's going on? Well, the big event is the annual California Antiquarian Book Fair. And this is uh, the largest book fair in the country for antiquarian, rare, and ephemera dealers. Obviously, it's not being held in person. Rather, it's a virtual book fair. So if anyone out in the listening audience ever wondered about what goes on at a rare book fair, now's your chance. You don't have to travel to L.A. or New York to see it. You just get on uh, abaa.org, and it opens on Thursday, runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But there are over 250 rare book dealers from throughout the world exhibiting at this fair. And we are one of those dealers. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the ABAA has as its one of its missions, uh, education. And I somehow got wrangled onto the book fair committee this year. And so I was kind of assigned to come up with an educational program. And so I was fortunate to get uh, Doug Lean, who is a retired dentist who lives up in Alaska, Mm -hmm. to agree to do a talk, and we're calling it Ranger of the Lost Art. (laughs) And that's a double entendre. Doug uh, was a ranger at Grand Teton National Park years ago. And he, uh, not the only one, but he's the premier expert on WPA art of the National Park Service. Back in the 30s, the WPA had an old whole artists uh, program, whether you were a writer, a photographer, a fine artist. And in this case, the WPA hired thousands of screen printers and artists to design posters. 
And one of the themes within that program were posters for the national parks. And there were 14 different parks who subscribed to this series. Most of the posters, it's thought, were produced in numbers of 100 or fewer. And so they are extremely scarce. And Doug has spent the last 30 years trying to track down as many of these posters as possible. And he's still looking for two park areas that no one's literally ever seen the poster. We know they existed. The the mock-ups exist in archives. And so on Thursday, this coming Thursday, March 5th, at 6, no, 4 p.m. our time, if anyone is interested, you can sign up at abaa.org and attend this free Zoom talk with Dugger, uh, Ranger Doug Lean on Rangers, um, Ranger of the Lost Art and hear all about the WPA poster program. And uh, he'll tell you fascinating stories on how some of these posters have been discovered, rediscovered, and his company has uh, reproduced in the style of the WPA a lot of other uh, posters for park areas. So I think it's going to be a fascinating program. So that's Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, Mountain, Mountain Standard, Standard Time. Okay, that's yeah. what I wondered. Uh, and just go to abaa.org. You do have to register. It's free, uh, but you do need to register. And throughout the week, we're presenting other uh, educational programs, including on Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, we'll have poets uh, Dana Giora and Ernest Hilbert. And they're going to talk about um, reading, writing, and collecting rare books within the sphere of uh, American poetry. So that's Thursday following the, the Ranger of the Lost Art program. And then on Friday, two more programs. Again, these are all mountain time. And I'm really curious about this one. Friday, March 5th uh, at 4 p.m., the world of Octavia Butler. Mm. And she is just we can't keep her books on the shelf yep. and, and they're bestsellers um, as well doing so so well and there's a brand new book by Lionel George on Octavia Butler and so he'll be interviewed and that's Friday again these are free and then finally Friday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time we're bringing in Peter Koch and Gerald Cloud and they are going to talk about artist books and the intersection between art and books and how they treat the book as a total work of the art, art of the book right. literally the art uh, the sort of like the book as object or as as piece of art yeah and yes. the, the books that these book artists are producing and they have a biannual convention called codex up in the bay mm -hmm. area will just blow your socks off the imaginative way that these guys can uh work with not only book binding, but printing and uh, doing old-fashioned way of making paper. And it's a complete homemade book. And, and the women and the men of the book artist world, they can spend two to three years producing a single book and maybe produce it in an issue of 10. Mm. And so that's uh, coming up Friday, March 5th. So four educational tracks through the ABAA uh, this week. It's interesting, Andy. So this would be maybe the first time they've been able to... Would they offer these classes 
locally there in California they when would, you're... They would do the programs for those in who person. Are, right. And yet they rarely were well attended, in part because so many of the folks who are attending these uh, rare book fairs don't want to be distracted right. by shopping on the floor. So this amazingly is one of these opportunities that more people can go it's yep. free and it's gonna just the pandemic is opening up all sorts of opportunities like this mm-hmm. that more and more people are certainly taking advantage of and speaking of education i also attended a virtual conference last weekend it's it's called winter institute with the american booksellers association so just so folks know, there's the ABAA, which is what, Andy? They're the old books, the yeah. Antiquarian Booksellers Association <laughs> And of then America. there's the ABA. American Booksellers, Booksellers Association. Association. And then what's the library one? The... What, ABE? Uh, the, uh, what uh, is the professional the librarian? Yeah, the professional librarian uh, association. Is there one? Oh well, there's ALA. ALA, ALA yes, yeah, yeah. American yes, sorry. yes, folks, we have ABAA, <laughs> ABA, and ALA. That's right. And a lot of these are great. I when I attended last weekend again, it was all on Zoom, and this is directed toward education as well. So I got to take a lot of different classes on things from online, how to do your online ordering, because everyone's doing a lot more, uh, you know, shipping these days to, um, to gay and lesbian romance novels to neurodiversity in your uh, workplace. So there was lots of really interesting uh, classes. And then they invite some amazing folks from Obama to Brene Brown to all sorts of authors who just they love to show up at these things. Which Obama? It actually was Barack. (laughs) That's a good, yeah. That's that's a a very good question. (laughs) And a lot of them, you know, they kind of just patched in for about 15 minutes. Uh, But it it was, it's always nice to, you know, we sit out here, little bookstore in the desert. But when we tune in to all the booksellers all over the country, you start to feel like you are bigger, you know, than your, your little bookstore in way out in the desert so I had a good time cavorting with my fellow booksellers all over the the country actually so we've also got uh, news from the library uh Jesse what's going on I'm excited to let you know about a couple of things I actually have some things to report we um just wrapped up our winter reading challenge last night was the last Uh, The last chance to um, log your minutes. Anybody that joined that, however, uh, may have a prize, even just for signing up, whether you logged minutes or completed the challenge. Don't forget to come pick up your prize uh, using the library's curbside service. And thank you so much for joining. So many, so many people um, made that a really fun program this, this winter. Stay tuned for info about summer reading program. We're starting to... Uh, kick that into gear. Also, for teens and tweens, our wonderful youth services librarian, Christina, has um, put together a couple of uh, virtual book clubs that are going to start this month. Um, She's going to do two separate ones where you can log in. Teens and tweens can log in and chat about all things book with other other kids their age, audiobooks, regular books, comic books, graphic novels, manga. It's all fair game. Um, 
and uh, just talk about what your favorite things to read are. Plan um, plan ahead if, if you want to all choose the same book to read together or just join each time and talk about what you're reading. This will be a perfect place for you book nerds out there to get together and uh, compare notes and visit. So if you are interested, if you know um, your teen or tween want to, uh, to join, um, everybody that attends is going to get a free coupon for a hot cocoa from Lops Popstot, as well as a coupon for a Domino's bread twist just for showing up, <laughs> just for participating. A um, twist, so, a yeah, call the library, 259-1111 to find out. Uh, you can also go to tinyurl.com slash litreads, L-I-T-R-E-A-D-S. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash litreads if you want to register. Um, the tweens one is going to start Thursday uh, the 18th that's from 7 to 8 p.m. The teen one will be Thursday the 25th from 7 to 8 p.m. So we're really excited to offer a couple of virtual book clubs for some of our, um, from our young folks. Also, starting today, we are accepting submissions for a really cool project that I'm excited about. If this is going to be um, a, a community scrapbook um, online, a virtual scrapbook of Moab's year of pandemic living. <laughs> what has the last year been like for you? It's been just about a year since Grand County businesses and schools had to shut down. Hmm. Life got really weird. We've had to reinvent the way we do everyday normal things, um, find new ways of amusing ourselves and passing the time. And so we are interested in collecting um, photographs, writing, scans of items, anything that shows how this past year has been different or unusual for you. Um, I imagine people have taken up new hobbies. We could, um, you know, show us a, f a photo of your artwork or your new or your new hobby. Lots of people have gotten into gardening or adopted a puppy, or maybe they've just been staring out their window at the same view every day <laughs> after day after day, insanely bored. Um, send me a picture of the view out your window. So um, really excited to invite everybody, all ages, to, um, to submit uh, any, anything that I can post on this digital scrapbook. And we will, in about a month, we will start working on it and then post it online for everybody to enjoy. May I also add, anyone that submits um, for this will be entered into a drawing. There will be three, uh, three prizes, uh, one for adults, one for teens, and one for kids. And they will be a super high-quality journaling kit with a blank journal with really high-quality paper with uh, things like colored pens, colored pencils, um, some, you know, a glue stick, stuff to make a really, hmm. really good journal. So um, if you have anything that you'd like to submit, you can um, send it to jesse at moablibrary.org. That's J-E-S-S-I-E -S -S -E at moablibrary.org. That's my email. Um, or call the library with any questions that you have, uh, 259-1111. So pretty excited about this uh, virtual scrapbook of, of Moab's year of pandemic living. And uh, Is, those is that going to be archived somehow for perpetuity? Uh, time capsule. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to sort of a community time capsule. We're going to post it on the library's website and... Um, 
Well, I you know that the, there's no time limit. The for pandemic, how long that can... the flu pandemic of 1918. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've become engrossed in uh, photo albums, and inevitably, if you can find an album from 1918, you begin to see people wearing masks, uh-huh. just wow. like we are today, 102 years yeah. later. You know, some things don't change; they just come around, and that that time capsule idea. I thought of that as you were talking about the scrapbook mm-hmm. and what we're going through as a, a town and a, a group of people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really interesting, actually. I love that idea. I, yeah, I, yeah. Sure, I sure hope we get some, uh, I imagine we'll get some pretty interesting contributions. So spread the word, tell everyone. As I said, it's uh, going to be it's really important to get... Um, all kinds of diverse voices and points of view involved. Um, just want to hear from all ages and uh, any any walk of life at all to put this together to represent our community. I'd be curious to see how many manuscripts were written within that this year period of time. Yeah, probably can't post a whole manuscript, <laughs> no, but a, but but a maybe section. a line yeah, or two. Absolutely, a little absolutely. paragraph from you yeah. know. Your writings. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> all, all that good stuff. I mean, my journal is full of feathers and interesting leaves mm-hmm. and pressed flowers. So, you know, scans of things like that are most welcome to just, mm-hmm. I just want to make it really fun, colorful, interesting. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Hopefully the community really comes out onto that, on that. I'm going to twist arms. <laughs> <laughs> I pride myself when I do host with you all in putting you on the spot (laughs) for a question or two. Before we dip down into our indie bestsellers, we get this newsletter every, pretty much every day. Does Shelf Awareness come every day? Yeah, it comes every day. Do you get it too? Yeah, Monday through Friday. Jesse, yeah, it's it's this great uh, newsletter that comes in and gives us all sorts of kind of what's hot, um, what what's going on with books, book selling. Um, that week, that day. And often they'll interview an author and they ask him all these kind of great questions. And the one I always love is, when you were growing up, what were you most embarrassed to read? Or what book did you hide from your parents? Yes. Yes. Which book did you hide (laughs) from your parents? Does that come to mind at all (laughs) with both of you, given that I didn't give you any chance to (laughs) think about this? I can answer Jesse, what is your (laughs) answer? um, My uh, best example is uh, Dharma Bums by Jack Really? I was raised in a pretty conservative household, (laughs) and we were encouraged to read. In fact, we did not have a television growing up, Mm -hmm. so reading is what, what we, you know, what I did for entertainment. My parents were great readers, all kinds of stuff. But uh, he, my dad was really unhappy one day to see me. I was about 15 years old reading uh, Dharma Bums. Was it on the road? Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm, conf- now I'm not paused. I think it was on the road. Um, he was not really happy about that. And uh, he told me, you know, honey, I'm not really comfortable with you reading this book. I don't think, I think this is, this subject matter uh, is is uh, a little over your, you know, I don't remember how he explained it, but he, I was too young to be reading that, and he took the book away from me. Well, that, um, as you might imagine, heightened my interest by <laughs> a thousand percent. And so um, 
a friend and I would uh, would drive into Portland, Oregon once in a while and hang mm. out at Powell's Books. That nice. was just our dream destination. We'd go spend the whole day at Powell's. And so I would make a beeline <laughs> for the, the K section and grab that Kerouac book and I wow. you know, would read it till I finished it. I And then I read everything else that he'd done. Um, oh, and I forgot the most interesting part was he... He told me not to read it at first, and then a couple days later, he caught me reading it, Diso- <laughs> completely disobedient. And he picked it out of my hand and flung it into the pond. <laughs> well, this is well, a good story, the, isn't the it? Book, and my house was on this little, this little lake, large pond, little lake, and he flung it in. I was so offended and outraged. Oh, I was so angry with him. I just glared at him. And, uh, yeah, so that was the real censure right there. So, by God, I was going to finish that book one way or the other. <laughs> and uh, maybe he was right. I did kind of wind up having a little bit of a wild youth. Ah, <laughs> uh, what literature will attract- do. And you know that on the road, we, we, the can't, yep. oh we can't keep a copy of that in. I mean, it just goes out, flies out. Andy, anything come to mind for you? <laughs> Thankfully, Jesse gave me a few minutes to, yes. to oh, yeah. think. <laughs> It's more of a trope of, yeah. you know, a young adolescent male trying to learn about sex. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone talks about Clan of the Cave Bears. And I, oh, can't, yes. I can't honestly say that I, I checked that out of the library. But there were certain, uh, I guess you could say, cover art on books mm-hmm. where I knew there may be something titillating. Something titular. That, <laughs> and yet it was okay because I had this library card. It was mm-hmm. legit that mm-hmm. I could uh, check books out. And I remember distinctly certain, um, I don't, I can't remember a book, but within the mystery genre, um, if mm-hmm. they had a, a male and a female protagonist, sure enough, they're going to hook up at some right. point. <laughs> and so that was uh, maybe my entry into the world of sex. But secondly, and, and I don't think my father's listening, they had <laughs> a whole bookcase full of usually their parents' Book of the Month Club books, mm-hmm. uh, Winston Churchill, the, the seven volumes and so forth. And one day tucked amidst all these academic books, I found this itty-bitty little skinny pamphlet that I think my mother was given upon marriage. Mm. On, oh, wow. Oh, on, yes. You know, yes. all about yes. the responsibilities <laughs> of a married woman. Oh, my goodness. And family and mm-hmm. sex. And I was alternately embarrassed and fascinated that my parents would have this little pamphlet. Sitting right there. <laughs> in sight yet out of sight and maybe i was supposed to have seen that but um yeah that one little pamphlet yeah sticks with me my my first thought was are you there god it's me margaret oh, sure. and, and judy bloom and and uh, i was in the library if i remember right but just kind of thinking wasn't that banned in a number of? I schools? think it was yeah. actually, yeah. Wow. It's one of the most still one of still a very often challenged book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know, just learning so much from it, just kind of hiding it away, and and just just almost hungry for the information inside. Great, great question. question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks awesome. for indulging me Makes on that one. Makes us all think of banned book week. Exactly. Yeah. How every time a, a school board or a politician tries to ban a book, 
the readership of that book just skyrockets. Yep. And it's the best thing that can happen to an author is exactly. to have someone challenge their book. Um, and yet, when I read a, a young adult title now, I blush. <laughs> I mean, the subject matters <laughs> need to be addressed, and they are being addressed. And yet All they're the being way. addressed in a very, very direct manner mm-hmm. that certainly was not happening when I was yep. growing up. Across the board. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's take a deep dive down into the bestsellers just for a minute here and see what's happening there. Of course, for the listeners, uh, you're listening to Radio Book Club on KZMU. And we, we, every month we'll kind of look at what's, what's selling, what's hot out there right now with uh, the, indie, um, the indie bookstores all over the country and what, what are they reading so is there anything on those lists that you want to go to bat for, Andy or Jesse? Hardcover fiction, nonfiction? I can start if you'd like me to, because I spent a good amount of time with 400 Souls. So we've got on hardcover nonfiction uh, bestsellers, it is number... Let's see. I think it's four. And I really, I'm really pretty excited about this this book. I ended up both reading it physically and listening to it on audio, kind of back and forth. It's called 400 Souls by Ibram X. Kendi, who also authored How to Be an Anti-Racist. He edited this collection with Keisha and Blaine. And the the cover says it's a community history of African America, 1619 to 2019. And Kendi has commandeered over 90 black authors to take us through the entire, quote, you know, history of uh, of Black America from what they're calling the first time that they came to our shores in 1619. As far as they can kind of tell, that's that's sort of like a, a birth date, so to speak, all the way through 400 years to 2019. And so you're getting um, these 90 writers they take on the, a brief period of that 400-year span through a variety of techniques, which is just gorgeous. Some of our historical essay, short story, personal vignettes, fiery polemics, deconstructing the myth that Africans in America are a monolith. And this was what was particularly good for me as I was reading through this, just this, the, the range of experiences and ideas throughout this entire 400 um, your history. And what's so beautiful when I queued it up on audio is each one of these contemporary authors are reading their piece. And so, you know, hmm. they'll kind of start That's out. A project. Yeah, they'll start out with um, the, the, the period of time that they're writing about, 1650 to 1655. And so they've been given, you know, the, the task of writing in that period of time. And, and, and then they'll kind of proceed to, uh, Kendi gave them a lot of, um, I would say, writing. Um, you know, he, he, you can tell that they, they 
they had a lot of leeway, I guess you'd say, and they had a lot of space to be creative as well. Um, but as you're going through, you're just slowly but surely getting this history. And um, the voices are incredible. They're passionate. You, um, you're linking, you know, that time from about every five to 10 years, 15 to 20 years at, at times. You're, you're linking through time and, and suddenly before you know it, you've gone through a big piece of this history. And, you know, just kind of looking back and, and seeing what we did have and what we didn't have with these voices. Uh, but again, it's 400 Souls by, uh, edited by Kendi and Blaine, A Community History of African America, 1619 to 2019. And I honestly cannot recommend this enough. It's been uh, a beautiful journey for me. And <clears throat> I, I just highly recommend this one. It's, it's gorgeous. Can you tell me, are the bits of writing <clears throat> just um, historical? Is it, are they fiction? Are they stories? Are they... All of it. All of all But they, of the, 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 there's a lot of historical essay. Uh -huh. um, and there are some fiction stories that you could say are historically accurate. Mm -hmm. And then after each um, section... He has someone, um, he has a poem. He, he's had someone, you know, create a poem for, for each section wow. as well. And then those are read, you know, if you're doing the audio. So it's, it's beautiful. It, it's a labor of love. Um, the, the whole idea was that in 1619, this boat was called the White, the White Lion, came over one year before the Mayflower in 1620. And, you know, kind of this idea that we don't know about the white lion, you know, when the first Africans came to our shores, but we sure know about the, white, the Mayflower, mm -hmm. you know. And so they were kind of juxtaposing that a little bit and then going from that date of 1619 all the way through to uh, 2019. So, excellent. All right. Anything else we want to mention on our bestsellers? I'm a little curious as to whether either of you have heard any of the blowback that Bill Gates is receiving regarding his um, how to avoid climate disaster. Which I is haven't. number three with the uh, nonfiction bestsellers. Mm -hmm. I haven't either. What's mm -hmm. going on? Well, it ties into the whole uh, conspiracy theories of vaccines and, and supposedly Gates's involvement in, in vaccinations and how someone like a Bill Gates simply can't be trusted. Mm. And why would we trust a billionaire to write about climate change when they can obviously avoid the major problems that climate change will bring? Mm. And there's this weird underbelly of, of conspiracy against this book and his, his whole thought. Hmm. And I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. And I have not read the book, so I can't focus on that directly. But it's one I do want to, I think it's one I'd like to listen to um, on the road more than read. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we might keep our ears out, see if there's anything to this. But just interesting how how the whole world of conspiracies have kind of taken off and are affecting so many layers of our lives. Absolutely. 
Let's see, Jesse, anything you want to mention? We can, if not, we can definitely jump right down into some uh, some of our faves. Yeah, there's nothing that's really new on the bestseller list that I have read. Um, There's definitely some old standards that are still hanging Mm -hmm. out on here and some some fun new ones. But let's uh, let's move on to what we have actually been reading. So let's go with you, Jesse. Why don't you give us your your excitement? So (laughs) my favorite discovery this month um, is a book. It's actually a book of photography. It's called Humans by Brandon Stanton. This is a fellow who previously um, published a collection of photos called The Humans of New York. And they were street. He just would photograph people on the street and um, and uh, ask them a couple of questions and, um, you know, a, a little paragraph or a quote from them. And the pictures were really fascinating, such interesting characters, as you can imagine. Um, and his his most recent project took him years and years and years. He traveled to over 40 different countries all around the world, taking photographs of anyone who would let him um, on the streets, on back roads, in the cafes, in the fields, in the mountains. And um, he, this is one of the most tender, beautiful, heartbreaking, and hilarious books Um, The photos alone are just absolutely gorgeous. How he must have, he had to spend a lot of time with people to get them to relax and, um, and let him see their, their true, their true selves coming out. These are not posed, not really posed photographs. Most everyone's facing the camera, but um, they're just being themselves. There, uh, it says in the in the introduction when he's talking about this. At first, he was nervous about you know intruding on people and asking them too many questions, and he would just ask them one or two things and write down the first thing that they said and go on to the next. But as time progressed, he got more comfortable talking with the people, his subjects, and um, and would spend hours and hours and hours with people. And he started to ask them, what are you struggling with right now? And a lot of their replies are what he has put in this book. Um, I, have, um, I have made a few, a few notes of my, of my favorite, some of my favorite spots, and I'll just try to describe to you what I'm seeing. <laughs> um, it's broken up into some sections that have, uh, some, some of them have different themes. I'm looking at a picture from the New- from New York City of this very very colorful older couple. We've got um, a really elaborate wig and some some very colorful uh, wacky clothes. There's two older folks sitting on a park bench with some some plastic shopping bags and a little walker. And uh, the quote uh, from from one of them is. Uh, we don't have any hobbies, but we do try to get together a few times a month to judge people and complain about things. <laughs> uh, it's so good. Some of these little paragraphs are just just heartbreaking, just make you cry and really make you realize um, it was really an interesting just perspective just into what people are dealing with all over the world. My goodness, it makes my own. My own problems and troubles seem so, so minor. Um, Here's a daddy with his little girl, a a black man and his beautiful little daughter sitting in Central Park. And he says, 
I was a bit of a loner before I had her. She looks like she's about three years old. I wasn't a social person. I stayed away from people because I thought that everybody had a plot or a scheme. But she's taught me how innocent people are when they start out. I mean, sometimes she'll butter me up because she just wants a cookie. But then other <laughs> times she just hugs me for no reason. Mm. Just beautiful. Here's a little boy. It looks like he's about five or six. And he is giving the camera the most knowing, knowing look. Like he is sharing the most hilarious secret with you. And his caption says, people take you to fun places when you're five. But unfortunately, you also have to study difficult topics. Today, I had to write toothbrush in all capital letters. <laughs> and he just is looking like that at you like that's the most absurd thing that a person should ever have to deal with. Um, this is, again, called Humans. And it is photographs of people of all ages from all over the world in Amman, Jordan. Here's a little girl about nine, eight or nine years old with a cast on her arm. She was asked, what happened to your arm? And she replies, I was walking down the stairs and looking at the stars. Mm. <laughs> That's all she said. Okay, one more. <laughs> I'll try not to take up too much time, but this is just so exquisite. So um, in Pakistan, in the Hunza Valley, we have a photograph of a man, and he's dressed very traditionally in a long, um, a long sort of caftan shirt and a, a woolen, one of the woolen hats rolled, rolled on his head. He's bearded with sandals. It's a very rocky, desolate mountain road, and he's sitting on the side of the road. And he says, before education, my family only knew how to work. It was always very quiet in our home. My grandfather was a laborer, but he paid to send my father to a tutor so that he could learn to read. He said that, if nothing else, my father should learn how to read and write his name. So after I was born, my father used this knowledge to teach me how to read. I started with our local newspapers. I learned that our village was part of a country. Then I moved on to books, and I learned that there was an entire world around this mountain. I learned about human rights, and now I'm studying political science at a local university, and I hope to be a teacher one day. Hmm. Just the kind of thing we need right now, that kind wow. of connecting to humans all over yeah, the world. all over the world. I, I promise you this book will make you cry at times, and it will make you laugh really hard at times. It's poignant and tender and lovely mm. and it just really did my heart good i'm going to have had it for about three weeks and <laughs> i'm going to bring it back to the library tomorrow <laughs> so if anyone would like a turn borrowing it please ask for humans by brandon stanton looks like a, a coffee table book yes yes gorgeous Hardback. glossy color photos hardback mm -hmm. radio <laughs> okay andy what are you what are you looking at over there well i'm gonna talk a little bit about a book i'm rereading and I don't reread too many books. Time is of the essence. But this is titled The Most Dangerous Book, The Battle for James Joyce's Ulysses by Kevin Birmingham. This is a book I have on my staff pick shelf. And I think in the two years that I've had it there, I've sold one copy. Uh, clearly, it doesn't uh, resonate with a lot of people. And what Kevin has done, this is his first book, has researched the history of the publishing of Ulysses. And from a, a rare book perspective, Ulysses is one of those high points. Sylvia Beach and Shakespeare and Company uh, in Paris published mm -hmm. this English book by this yep. uh, 
certifiably almost crazy writer, James Joyce. And, you know, Ulysses takes place in 24 hours. And But the history of the publication of this book is just absolutely riveting from a book perspective. Mm-hmm. And part of my interest lies in that I've been trying to collect the first publication of Ulysses, which was not Sylvia Beach. Rather, it was serialized out of New York in a magazine called The Little Review. They started serializing this book in 1918, and I'm missing two issues. And once I get those last two issues, I will have the complete Ulysses. And the the editors of Little Review were two women, Margaret Anderson and Jane Heap. And so it's interesting that Ulysses was banned in many countries, including the United States until the 30s, to protect the the sensitivities of women. And yet women brought this book Sylvia to the fore. Yeah, one of, Sylvia one of Beach. Them, yeah. And then here in the United States, Anderson and Heap. And then there was a, another serial um, that published illegally Ulysses called Two Worlds that was owned by a guy named Samuel Roth. And he basically just stole uh, Ulysses and, and published it in serial. And we mm-hmm. recently completed pulling that set together and we've sent it off for auction and someday i will uh, have enough money to buy a f- true first edition from shakespeare and company mm. it has that iconic blue wrappers uh, it was never published in hardback in in its initial edition and every book fair i go to i i I long and lust after <laughs> one of these first editions. Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. The Most Dangerous Book, The Battle for James Joyce's Ulysses by Kevin Birmingham. And I wanted to talk about a memoir that I read this week called, uh, actually, one of this new staff member, this, uh, this hopefully we can name him by name. His name's Sam. He's hanging out with us now at the bookstore, so come in and say hi to Sam at some point. Maybe he's even listening. We'll see. But he had mentioned this title and, you know, just kind of handed it over and said, hey, have you read this? And it caught my eye pretty quickly, pretty fast and furious. And so I read it pretty quickly, too, in The Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado, who, it's really interesting how she's set up uh, this memoir. Uh, Each chapter is is essentially a page. I'd almost say it's poetry, um, prose poetry. And so, you know, there's just these vignettes that then kind of tie together. And the the thesis or the, the essence of this memoir is something that is not talked about very much, and that's uh, lesbian domestic violence, actually. And so this is uh, the story of her, uh, her and her partner and her being a victim of domestic violence. And she does her homework and dug pretty deep to find uh, journals, academic papers, um, poetry, anything she could, to kind of weave through this and to give voice to something that isn't isn't you know voiced that often, mm-hmm. when we kind of think of um, 
you know, that's not something that we we think about too often. When you say domestic of, violence, you immediately think man, mm-hmm. woman. Exactly. With the it, male being the aggressor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's definitely the subject matter is, is very interesting. And it reminded me, we, I think we, we've all read Educated, right, yeah. by Tara, Tara Westover. And remember how frustrating it was when she was in that abu- abusive relationship with her brother. Do you remember that part where, yeah, very distinct Vividly. part, of course. Yeah, and and sort of as read. a reader, the whole time kind of thinking, please just just find it within yourself, you know, to, to get through this, to get out of this, you know, very frustrated that she stayed in it. And, and of course that was her journey. And there was, there was very much that feeling in, in this one as well. Just, um, you, you sit within it for a while and she kind of lets you sit within it. She, she, it is a transformative memoir. She works herself through this. Um, but I, I would say, um, very important memoir for the subject matter. And again, she's an incredibly poetic writer. So the vignettes are tied together loosely, um, but you get this incredible um, kind of poetic prose. So it reads pretty quickly as well. And so that, again, that's In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Well, we've gone back to Jesse and, and we're kind of, we've, the time has gone really fast this time. So Jesse, if you have a couple, you want to just roll through and then mm-hmm. we'll do that with Andy and I'll be really quick. Okay. So I can highly recommend a new novel by, um, Native American author, Brandon Hobson. This is called The Removed. Um, it was on the bestseller list a week or so ago, I do believe. And I found this um, to be very beautiful and just exquisitely written. Um, it centers around a family, a uh, Cherokee family, who have, um, who have all suffered, um, suffered some losses. Their um, beloved, one of the brothers in the family, ha- a few years before the story, was shot by uh, police um, wrongly, he was just the brown skinned guy in the in the deal and got the got the bullet. And um, they're all recovering from that. The older sister is struggling. The mom and dad are struggling. Mom's trying to hold the whole family together. Dad's starting to show signs of dementia from Alzheimer's. Younger brother is struggling with drug addiction and sep- and um, his family has hasn't been in touch with his family and they're all worried about him and want him to come home for this annual bonfire that they do in memory of the um, the brother who lost his life um, and they are all experiencing a sort of a blurring of the edges of this physical world and the spiritual world and their ancestral heritage and um, voices and visions from the past um, calling them um, calling them to keep keep going. It's called The Removed. That refers to the Trail of Tears. That refers to the brother who was removed from his life um, too soon and wrongly. It uh, refers to lives being removed and erased by by drug addiction. Um, the The term is woven through the book altogether. And while these are some hard themes and some 
some dark themes. The book itself does not, it's got a very uplifting ending and it is a book of gathering courage and gathering strength and, um, and uh, gathering, gathering strength from your ancestors and from your heritage. Um, and I found it to be very beautifully written. The, um, there are some real bright spots in the story. There's a, the, the family fosters a little boy, a 12 year old boy who um, is just amazingly li like their lost brother and they keep marveling at how similar he is. And also the, the father's dementia seems to just evaporate when this little boy is around. Mm. He's really bright, really knowledgeable into obscure old swing and jazz music, very unusual for a 12 year old boy. And, um, it just, he just, his presence in the house and he's only with them for a few weeks just really brightens everybody's life and, um, sort of tighten, helps tighten the family back together. I'm going to read just a real quick passage, um, that I thought was particularly beautiful. Um, talking about this ha the house, the family house where everyone had grown up made out of strong brick and rock. This house able to withstand bad weather and furious winds throughout the years with its stable roof and walls and plaster that tightened when the earth moved. This house, our house that creaked and ticked with the passing of time, welcoming the voices of strangers and the company of spirits whose laughter lifted like smoke through the chimney. I wondered how such a place could remain firm, intact, solid throughout its years of soaking up all the crying and pain, the laughter and longing, and all the memories birthed from my swollen belly. That's mm. the, the mama's voice there. Anyway, uh, recommend The Removed by Brandon Hobson, another really strong Native American voice um, novelist, and uh, found this to be a really satisfying um, and, and rich novel. Oh, thank you. Andy. Well, I've got two books that I'll briefly yeah, go ahead. bring up. Absolutely. One is a brand new novel called In a Town Called Paradox, uh, written by Miriam Murcott and Richard Starks. And any time a regional fictional novel comes up, I'm I glum to it because I'm there's there are not many out there. And I think we'll review the book at a later time, but what struck me most was how they changed the little town of Paradox for their literary license and, and fit into their novel. And it just bothered the heck out of me <laughs> that if you're going to take a place that we know so well, leave it alone or create a fictional town in which to craft your story. It just, ah, I, I didn't like how they treated it, which then led me to the Hell That Was Paradox. And this is a nonfiction account by Howard Greger. He passed away a couple of years ago. He spent his entire uh, life, for the most part, uh, between Paradox and Nucla and Naturita and, and down in that valley. And what Howard has done is put together a whole series of oral histories of the wild and woolly uh, early 20th century in and around Paradox and how the, the cattlemen and the sheepmen hated each other and how these battles would erupt in the, the watering holes literally and figuratively and how many murders took place uh, right across the border. And he brings up the point that one of the reasons these outlaws would end up in and around Paradox is because they felt like they could escape to Utah 
so easily and evade the law, the Colorado lawman. But um, his stories, he, they're firsthand because his uh, father was a sheriff for a, a short period of time, but his family lived in, in and around Paradox uh, uh, 50, 60 years. And so it's a good juxtaposition from a fictional account of Paradox, which I thought fell short, and a real-life account, which probably embellishes <laughs> uh, some of the action that took place uh, just to the east of us. So that's The Hell That Was Paradox by Howard Greger and In a Town Called Paradox by Richard Starks and Miriam Murcutt. Excellent. Well, you know, we're coming down to our time, my friends, and I still have a little pile. <laughs> and I have a couple other collections, uh, uh, one called Funny Weather by edited, well, actually written by Olivia Lang, who's an um, art critic. Art in an, in an Emergency is what this title is called, a collection of her work. Um, everything from a love letter to Freddie Mercury to uh, talking about the artist Agnes Martin, who I, I like very much and saw her work down in, in New Mexico at the Harwood. Uh, George O'Keefe, all sorts of other people. It's a great, um, you know, she just basically says art is the antidote for this time period. For everything. At least one yeah. of them anyway. And so um, I recommend, you know, kind of st strumming through these these pages to just kind of get that, that sense from her. It, it feels like medicine <laughs> when you're reading this collection. And then also the other collection that I was thinking about that I brought, um, it's called Writing Wild, edited by Catherine Alto. Women poets, ramblers, and mavericks who shape how we see the natural world. And there's all sorts of amazing, beautiful, wonderful women writers in here from Mary Austin to Vita Sackville-West to our beloved Terry Tempest Williams, Gretel, Gretel Ehrlich, Leslie Marmon Silco. It's a wonderful collection. Celebrates 25 women whose influential writing helps deepen our connection to the natural world. When did that one come out, Just Sherry? a sweet little wonderful um, collection. It just came out in uh, 2020. Wow. It's, it's brand new. And, you know, they've up. gone and graphically done little uh, portraiture of each one of these authors. And they're kind of, it's sweet. I mean, you know, they, they did a pretty good job. <laughs> so, I um, love the cover. I know, the cover, the cover. It's just gorgeous. I Isn't want to that, be there. Who's the editor again on that? And, you know, it looks like, Alpha? you know, okay. you know who this is right here? This is um, Kimmer. This oh, is uh, oh, Robin. Robin. Yeah, Robin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's her right there, standing next to a tree. We know her, of course, from braiding sweet braiding grass. sweet grass. Yeah. Yes. And as we kind is that Helen McDonald who's next to her with the hawk? That's. Uh, I think it is. Right yes. Right. I think it is. I think you're absolutely right. Nice. Um. So, yeah, we've got our little piles here. I think we kind of got through about everything but just so our listeners know you can find these lists on uh, kzmu.org you can find it with us at back of beyond at bookshop.org mm -hmm. and then find find back, back of, of beyond. beyond 
And then you can find the list at the library. That's right. Any of these books we discussed that the library owns anyway, you can find um, on the library's website under the events tab and then under the book clubs tab. Cool. So we're going to tomorrow get these, you know, get these lists out there. And then, of course, KZMU, they list this list on Friday, I think it is. And the show is archived. And the show is archived. Exactly. And now podcast. And now podcast. Yes. And we're calling it. The big news is that we're we're not, we, we, we basically decided to call this Hardback Radio because we are going to be um, th- this will be a podcast available uh, at places like Apple yeah, I think anywhere you yeah can anywhere you can podcasts. anywhere you can get your podcasts and it's available now <laughs> is it yeah, yeah. past cool. past uh, oh episodes. they are available now yes. Yeah. I listened to you just the other day, Sherry, <laughs> on Hardback Radio. So we are very excited to go out a little a little further out beyond Moab even. Yay. Well, thank you. This has been another heartfelt hour with Andy and Sherry from Back of Beyond and Jesse from the library. And we'll see you next first Monday of the month in April at 5 p.m. And uh, we'll take care and we'll... S- Talk to you soon. We'll see you soon. Good night, everyone. Good night.